You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, where we invite an expert each week to hear about their incredible journey and career paths. On today's show, we have the pleasure of speaking to Anissa Ali. She brings the art of salam to peaceful negotiations. Sister Anissa is a social worker, family mediator, and educator who teaches others how to successfully resolve conflicts. We'll be learning a lot from her today. This week's sponsor is Big Apple Visual Group. I'm Fatima Al-Sayed, your talk show host. Make sure to tune in every Saturday at 3 p.m. On, on the Umoja Umentor website and to also ask us questions throughout the show. Anissa, how are you today? Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. Assalamu alaikum to you and your viewers. It's lovely having you on today. Um, this is the first time we've had a registered social worker and a credited family mediator. Um, but you also do, you are an educator as well on the side. Um, yeah. Yes, I teach at York University in yeah. the engineering education department. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show with us today. You're most welcome. It's my pleasure. So when you first came to Canada, there were uh, multiple reasons for you coming. But one of the reasons was your education. Can you tell us about how you started off? Okay. Um, so by the age of five, I wanted to be a lawyer. I've not always <laughs> aspired to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And it so happens, um, subhanAllah, I've been, I've come full circle into, um, not being a lawyer, but working in family law. So I'm mm -hmm. very well connected in the court-based services. Um, I had completed my high school and my A-levels. Um, education in Trinidad and I needed to um, complete my university education so I came to Canada to do my university um, mm -hmm. schooling I attended York University and I also needed to have my second heart surgery so I had the choices okay. of the US UK and Canada and preferred Canada above all else mm -hmm. so that's what brought me to Canada um, what if you you didn't have an undergrad before you came correct no my undergrad um is at york university in political okay. and honors in political science and history i was following a mentor i learned very early on mm -hmm. pattern your career based on a mentor so mm -hmm. my mentor was um dr eric williams who was the first prime minister of trinidad and tobago and he oh. did political science and history and went on mm -hmm. to do a law degree. So I took his lead and um, while I came to Canada, I worked full time. So my degree, I obtained my five-year degree in five years while working full time. I'm one of the few who have had a university and post-graduate um, post degrees without an OSAP loan. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's very hard to do, to have, to be working while also getting your degree and not taking any loans, so no help from anyone. Nope, yeah. but it's very empowering. And yeah, you it must And be. you value every moment of that <laughs> educational experience. <laughs> I mean, I'm in debt, so... <laughs> I wish I could have that feeling. <laughs> um, so when you, how did you get into uh, being an accredited family mediator? You didn't directly go straight into that career. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, so 
I kind of inspire, I'm inspired by the women mm -hmm. um, of my life. Um, in particular, my paternal grandmother, God bless her soul, and mm -hmm. my mother. Yeah. And um, their lives, while looking after families, were very much involved in charity and doing and helping others. So when I, um, when I was quite young, um, by the age of 18, I got involved in the first Caribbean abuse forum on incest. Mm -hmm. And it kind of took a hold of me in terms of being in a profession that would be helping. So when I came to Canada, I was working full time and going to university. I also got involved with, um, through the mosque that I attend, um, I got involved with Ahlbeit Assembly of Canada. And Ahlbeit Assembly of Canada gave me an opportunity to do conferences, um, trying to see what in the community as Muslims we can create, we can help achieve and, and support other Muslims. Unfortunately for, for me, these conferences never, le never led to anything substantial. So I was, I guess, um, taken on by another organization mm -hmm. who had a more clear plan in terms of working towards goals, achievable goals. Mm -hmm. So Islamic Humanitarian Service asked me to join two other members and form United Muslim Women of Canada. And we had an Alberta branch, we had a Vancouver branch, and then a GTA branch of which I headed. In the process of setting up that organization, we did some consultation. Within these consultation, I met a sister who was not a very good supporter of my endeavors, mm -hmm. but she suggested that we um, bring in someone whom she had met um, on the public transit who was, who was discussing about dispute resolution. Mm -hmm. So, we invited this person um, to attend one of our sister functions, and she spoke about ADR, dispute resolution, alternative dispute resolution, and a light bulb went out. You know, wow, this is amazing. I mean, yeah. I did not go on to do my law degree, but this encompasses law. Yeah. And at the same time, it encompasses helping others. So it was the perfect mix for you. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, it so happened, the job that I was working at, um, I was laid off. I took my um, severance package and invested it into um, family mediation. Mm -hmm. And with the family mediation training, you have to take on an internship program to become, a credit, to become an accredited mediator. Yeah. So that's where my journey started not necessarily from someone who was a supportive person, but by not knocking her down. <laughs> um, it sort of inspired she you. She opened a career path for me that I am very much enjoying to this mm -hmm. day. That's amazing. Um, and then, so you were involved with the Ahlul Bayt Assembly. You mentioned that. Uh, what did you guys do? We held yearly conferences, and mm -hmm. within the conferences, we had uh, workshops. And workshops were dedicated to um, domestic violence, mm -hmm. um, trying to 
do supportive work for youth. We were brainstorming as to where um, this is in the early 1990s. And this is before any of the, the things happened to get you into family mediation, correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. So you always had that interest, which is so interesting. Yeah. I've always um, found myself around people who were very supportive mm -hmm. and who were innovators. Mm -hmm. My only, my, I'm a person who is not so much in the leadership role, but I'm a hands-on person. So I need to see where we've started something and what's the product of it and where, mm -hmm. where are we going with it. Were you getting that product um, while you were working and making those workshops? Were you seeing results? Um, I would say the workshops help, the conferences mm -hmm. actually help br bring the community okay. together and bring the community in terms of the multicultural aspect of the community. What was great about Ahuvbeit Assembly of Canada is it was made up of all the Shia organizations within um, Canada. Mm -hmm. So it was a good opportunity to meet people from different backgrounds. Yeah. Um, you know, to this day, um, there are sisters that I have met from those conferences back in the 1990s that um, are also, have also moved on and taken leadership role in their own respective ethnic communities. Mm -hmm. Okay, so once you finished with that, you, or actually you didn't finish, but you started going on to newer things. Um, when you got into mediation, what changed in your career that took you more towards uh, social work? Um, I, I've always been a person who sees the opportunity when mm -hmm. it comes by. And um, with the family mediation, I got involved with domestic violence issues. Mm -hmm. And my, after doing the internship, I was, I volunteered with, I did my internship in Newmarket, um, Ontario, um, which is part of GTA York region yeah. at the Newmarket Courthouse. And I stayed on doing volunteer work with them. And eventually I got hired on to do um, coverage for vacations. Mm -hmm. And with the vacation schedules, I eventually started picking up more and more shifts. And I would do what we call on-site mediation and off-site mediation. So on-site is for clients who are attending court. The judges would send them to participate in mediation. And off-site is for parties who are not in court but are interested in mediation. Or maybe they've got a court date coming up and they want to um, settle their matter before that date. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, eventually, that became a full-time job. Yeah. In the process of doing that, I started um, a forum where we would have an open house at the court and invite community agencies to come into the courthouse and walk in the footpath of one of their clients. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you would have someone who've left a domestic violence situation and is in a shelter. And that client would be sent to the courthouse to start an application to deal with issues of the separation. The support workers, some of them may not have ever been into a courthouse. So we wanted the professionals working with the families to experience what their clients were experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, 
eventually um, that led to me joining other agencies. So as an accredited family mediator, I belong to an organization called Ontario Association for Family Mediators. Mm -hmm. And with that, I joined another association called Association for Family and Conciliary Court, which is a larger international body that deals with families who, who are in family court. And these are professionals serving those families. So you've got doctors, psychologists, um, social workers, therapists, judges, lawyers, mm -hmm. um, court operation staff. I attended one of their conferences in Vancouver. And at that conference, I met one of our judges. And um, as I was saying to you earlier, mm -hmm. um, when you're in a foreign place and someone from your old town who may not necessarily have ever spoken to you, you've got some kind of camaraderie. You know each other. You recognize that person. Yeah. Yeah. So she met me and uh, we sat down, we had a lunch and she was asking about my career path. Mm -hmm. And she took an interest in me. And when I came back to Newmarket, I ended up meeting her at a restaurant. Um, Coincidentally? Yes, it, it oh, wasn't wow. planned. I mm -hmm. went there for another meeting and she happened to be there with one of the residing judges. Cool. She introduced me to that judge. And later on in my career, I needed a reference letter to apply for my master's in social work program. So I asked the judge, not the one who did the introduction, the secondary judge. Mm -hmm. Um, who by now has, who knows my work. And I asked her for a reference. And um, her secretary sent me back a message saying, your honor has refused to do your reference because <laughs> she does not think you should be looking for another job. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You're too good at your job. They don't want to let you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I ended up replying back and saying, no, it's to apply for my master's degree. <laughs> so I can just yeah, be better needed, at my job. Yeah. I, I needed to go on to get a master's and yeah. I was still staying at my job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, not only did she give me a reference, she gave me a reference for, <clears throat> sorry, for four of the other judges who were also oh, sitting. Wow. So I ended up with a super reference. You got like, yeah, like an, <laughs> the ultimate reference. Great job. Got into the program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Less than a year into the program, I'm asking <laughs> the judge for another reference letter and this time to leave the job. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did they agree this time? Oh, yes. She yeah. was very much happy to see me moving forward. It mm -hmm. was a new program I was getting into, um, which leads to my current job yeah. with Legal Aid Ontario. So at the time, Legal Aid Ontario was now starting a new project where they would be doing family mediations in GTA. Mm -hmm. And um, coincidentally, and this is very important for, for, for young people or people looking mm -hmm. for job opportunities, um, Legal Aid had come in and had brought someone to do a walk around in the courthouse. And I met with this person and it was a really lovely, you know, meeting. And it so happened sometimes when you attend these conferences and workshops, you come in, you come in contact. It's, I mean, networking is not overrated, really. And this person turned out to be the person who did the interview for me for my job. Mm -hmm. and by then she knew that she knew 
the type of work that I did. And when I did my interview, I guess I did really well. They ended up hiring me. So I was their first mediator in GTA. And Legal Aid is, a, is an organization that is primarily made up of lawyers. Mm-hmm. So, so you were I'm, the first non-lawyer. I was the first non-lawyer as a mediator. And I also do another project called Settlement Conferences. And I'm the mm-hmm. first non-lawyer to do that as well. So you're just creating jobs here and there. <laughs> I am. <laughs> along, along with creating meaningful relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the most important thing. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now in the time, in that time, I mean, the world wasn't maybe, maybe the world isn't as accepting as it was before. Sorry. Maybe the world now um, is a little more accepting, even though it's, there's still difficulties. Um, so how was it, how was your experience as, a Muslim woman of color in these fields? Um, It was, there were some horrific challenges, Mm -hmm. but there were also some really beautiful supportive moments. And I guess the supportive moments came with time. Among the challenges, uh, my very first job in Canada, um, I um, faced a lot of discrimination. I worked for a Bay Street company, which is like the financial street capital. It's like Wall Street to New York um, in Canada, um, in Toronto. And I would be standing waiting for public transit and in the summer and individuals would pass by and make comments about, aren't you hot with that thing on your head, right? <laughs> Wearing the hijab. Mm. In the 1990s, there were only two hijabi women in Toronto, downtown Toronto, working myself and another lady. And, um, you know, there was the minute I put, I didn't wear my hijab initially when I first came to Canada, I wore it one Mm -hmm. year after. So I've been wearing hijab now for 29 years. And you just entered the job and then you put on the hijab while you were in the job. One year within the job, I put on the hijab. And that year, the women that I were working with, um, mm-hmm. I was working um, in a switchboard environment while going to university. So I, I, I ended up having two full-time roles, a full-time worker at the same time, a full-time student. Yeah. And the women that I was working with would all turn their backs against me for a good six months like literally you're facing them and they're back you're facing their backs even though we were all working side to side Mm -hmm. and it so happened that one of the secretaries um you know saw what was happening and she told her boss whom in turn took it to the organization and um the company issued an anti-discriminatory policy right Yet still, religion and racism took second place to discrimination about same-sex harassment in Mm -hmm. the workplace. And then from there, I was denied job positions um, and frankly told, because people were a lot more frank than they are today. Maybe it's we're coming in full circle where people are becoming frank as well. And I was told, because I don't shake hands, I would not be getting the position. Wow. The most discrimination I faced were, again, um, were from Muslim people within the organizations. 
um, I, towards the end of my career with that particular job, there was mm -hmm. one person whom um, would go to lunch and come back intoxicated. And I guess I was a beacon of guilt because when he walks into the office and he sees me with the hijab, he would start yelling and screaming. Um, when the company offered me a severance package, I happily took it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there goes my career path. You know, I, it rocketed from there. It did not get negative. It actually improved from there. And throughout my career, I've had a lot of supportive moments as well. Mm -hmm. um, in around 2000, I took on a case of supporting a family, more of a, not a, I wasn't a social worker then, but I would say it was practicing community social work. Mm -hmm. And I took on a case and I went to Montreal to help a family get their children back from um, the Child Protection Service in Quebec. And the, the family had to go to court. We was there supporting the family throughout the process. Mm -hmm. And the plan that I presented for a reunification with the children and the parents, the judge came out of the court, um, chambers and wanted to meet with me. And the lawyer we had hired through um, the organization was very adamant, you need to shake this judge's hand. If you do not shake this judge's hand, we can lose this case. Mm. And I said, you know, I can't do that. You know, this, the fate of this case lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't <laughs> lie with this particular judge. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, the judge came out and the judge said, you know, I respect you for the work you've done on the parenting plan and to support this family. And I know as a Muslim woman, you don't shake hands, but I just wanted to come out and thank you, you know, for everything that you're doing. Wow. So here I am in an environment, Quebec, as it was now, as it is now and then, mm -hmm. wasn't very friendly towards Muslim women. And here, I, here I'm in a, this environment where someone is respectful of my rights as a Muslim woman. And maybe even so, more respectful than people within the same... Within the same fate. Yeah. And even today, you know... Um, my colleagues are very supportive. If we're in a gathering and someone puts their hands out to shake, they nicely tell them, she doesn't shake hands, but you can greet her in any other way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's amazing got, to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got colleagues when they order lunch, they make sure to, you know, ask me about halal options, mm -hmm. you know, for Eid. You know, I bring in treats for them, mm -hmm. you know, for Ramadan. They even join me in fasting or attempting to fast for Ramadan. <laughs> so um, we've, we've moved on as a society in yeah. terms of discrimination, but it yeah. still happens. I mean, I've had um, only one very horrific incident where I was called some really nasty derogatory terms. And I had an option. Um, I have in my office a buzzer. If I hit that buzzer, the police swarm my office. Mm -hmm. And I had a father who was not very nice, saying some really nasty things about me in the process of me trying to help him and his child. And ironically, because I work in the court building as well, 
a young man whom I knew had just been released <laughs> from jail oh, wow. comes to my defense. Yeah. And to avoid him having a confrontation with the man, I'm dragging this young man along, walking away from this other person. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting. Um, There's a lot of challenges along the way. Um, but, but there are a lot of beautiful pieces too, yeah, and a lot of exactly. beautiful people that you meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In your work as um, a social worker, can you tell us a bit more about the job? What it is you do uh, for day to day? Okay. So um, in my work, I provide um, mediation, family mediation services. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I deal with low-income families, and it's more of a dispute resolution service. So I'm dealing with issues of separation and divorce. Some of the families are in court, and some of them are not in court. So ideally, my work is, is dealing with parenting plans, decision-making or custody, mm -hmm. and child support. I also deal with settlement conferences, which is dealing with these other issues, as well as um, division of property support, which could be spousal or child support. Okay. And a lot of the families I deal with are high-conflict, trauma-informed individuals. So I deal with parties who have mental health issues, mm -hmm. um, and these, what we could consider these high conflict cases, there is a lot of domestic violence, addiction issues, gatekeeping or parental alienation. Mm -hmm. And I see people from all walks of life. Um, having all a degree, types of cultural backgrounds. All cultural backgrounds, mm -hmm. refugees, homeless individuals. I have CEOs. I've got teen parents. One of my best parents was a 14 and a 15 year old couple. Um, mediation and social work is a nice marriage because mediation deals with a lot of social work techniques such as empowerment, um, anti-oppression work, mm -hmm. and trying to understand what are the insights into individuals' emotional and behavioral responses to conflict. Mm. What's the most challenging thing about doing this? Um, keeping your calm <laughs> and, and trying to get people to move from a position of, um, negativity to a position of positivity. Mm. A lot of people look at the conflict they have, not looking at the opportunity they have for growth. Yeah. And there is a lot of emotional pieces around the impact family conflict has on children mm -hmm. and families considering they've got the best interest of their child in mind when they cannot see the children's best interest, as they say, is serving their means, not their children's means. So what are the skills that you need to do this kind of work? As a family mediator, you need to be non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. You need to be um, insightful. You need to also look at um, things in an optimistic perspective, being compassionate and open-minded. Okay. Now, before we get to the ending of the show, just tell us a little brief about what kinds of professionals can get involved in this field. 
through your experience as a teacher at York? Okay, so when I teach the program at York, I do mm -hmm. the basic family education, family mediation um, course. It's a five-day course. Yeah. Um, parties have to take five courses, which is family mediation, basic, advanced, mm -hmm. empowering balance, domestic violence as one course by itself, family systems and family law. To get into the program, you have to have at least a university degree or a comprehensive college degree and have worked with families within the field. Mm -hmm. um, now, the program itself leads to a certificate and from the certificate, you move on to a supervised practical experience, mm -hmm. which is 100 hours, okay. which it's an internship program where you get to the point of doing work the work yourself mm -hmm. and actually seeing the then, field yes. yes only then you can become you can carry the designation of an accredited family mediator mm -hmm. or you can carry a charter accreditation or a certified accreditation okay. for family mediations in canada there's family mediations of canada mm -hmm. for ontario there's the ontario association for family mediators the adr institute and the Family Dispute Resolution Institute of Ontario. And within the mediation realm, you've got family mediators, you've got family arbitrators, parent coordinators, and collaborative practice. So the individuals who are doing this type of work tend to come from a variety of backgrounds. You've got social workers, you've got therapists, um, you have lawyers, you have settlement workers. Mm -hmm. So the class, when I teach the course, I tend to get a lot of child protection workers. Yeah. Who are so family mediation, everyone must know this. Um, it is not a full-time job. I am very fortunate in that I have a full-time job. Most of the individuals taking this program take it as in conjunction to the, what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. We okay. have retired principals. So a lot of educators tend to take this program as well. Mm -hmm. It is not something that I would say to someone, leave your day job and get and, and do, do this. Do this. Mm -hmm. um, legislation would be coming out in Canada where it's uh, federal legislation where family mediation and other ADRs such as arbitration mm -hmm. is going to be more pro pronounced. Um, there is a, a new act that would recommend that parties participate in this a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. It's an attempt to um, help parties resolve their conflict before tying up the court system, right? It can take yeah. at least two to three years to get out of the court system. So the early resolution assists parties moving forward. The longer parties are in, caught up in court conflict, the more difficult they are to resolve their conflict. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this show and just having to end this discussion. But Anissa, can you tell us what your final piece of advice for our listeners is today? My mantra, career-wise, <laughs> your, risk, your risk is with Allah. You say mm. bismillah before you start. You practice perseverance. Mm -hmm. Be optimistic, network, join boards and organizations, seek a mentor within your field, do not compromise your religious value, 
and seek opportunities and enjoy the journey. Most <laughs> importantly, a nice little key is yeah. a piece of practical advice. Review the CV or the resume of a professional that you admire because it's fertile ground to get clues on how to advance your career. Mm -hmm. Know what courses they're taking, mm -hmm. what career path they took, what conferences they attend, what designation they follow. Mm -hmm. And volunteer. You never know who you meet out there who can take you on a wonderful career journey, as I did. Thank you so much for taking us on your wonderful career journey. You're most welcome. It was my pleasure. Now, Sister Anissa has so much to offer and so many more things that she does in her life, including a food bank that they launched within Toronto. So if anyone would like to reach out to her, just email us at the umojaoutreach.org email, um, and we will be sure to get you in contact with her. You were just listening to the UMentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website under prior talk shows. Thank you so much for listening to us today on Facebook Live.